I want to talk about a subject matter. I was praying and praying, and the Lord says, you got to deal with it. I said, Lord, we're going into Thanksgiving, and we're going into Christmas. I said, I stop. Lord, I said, you give me your word, I'll preach it. So I stopped right there. I was telling him the seasons like, like he doesn't know. And, uh, and I said, Lord, I'll, 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 I'm yours. So I don't know how long we'll be on this, but we're going to be looking at uh, maybe it's a little series on Wednesday night. Uh, I don't know. I just want the Spirit of the Lord to lead us. I know I have more material He's given me than I can give you tonight. But we're going to be talking about the power of diligence. The power of diligence. One thing, one thing the church needs to be reminded on more than anything else. We know the power of the Holy Ghost. We know the power of the name of Jesus. We know the power of the blood. We know the power of the shout. Amen. We know all these things, but we, we know the power of the Word. But maybe we've been missing this, a power of diligence. And you're asking maybe, what in the world are you talking about? I asked the Lord, and He's given me some things to share with you. If you would turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, I love Hebrews. I love chapter 11. That's a faith chapter, amen? Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. I want us to look at these two verses in our opening, and then uh, let's just let the Holy Spirit lead us into uh, true understanding and transformation by His Word. Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 5, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, so God said, I did a miracle for Enoch. Enoch didn't even have to die. Nobody could find a dead body. He was just taken, just like that. But then he goes to tell us what Enoch was doing and how he lived his life before all of this happened. He says, for before he was taken, he had this testimony. And, you know, this is the testimony I encourage you to have. And this is the testimony I want to have as well. That he pleased God. That he pleased God. Would you consecrate and dedicate or rededicate yourself right now? Say, Father, for me to live is to please you. I want to please you. If I've got one day, if I've got a week, if I've got a year, if I've got a decade, if I've got a millennial, whatever I've got left on this earth, Lord God, I want to please you. Would you tell him that? Don't think it. Don't shake your head. Tell him. Say, Father God, I want to please you. Just say it with your own mouth if you mean it. If you don't mean it, well, don't say it. God, I want to please you. Enoch pleased God. And look at verse 6, that famous verse of Scripture. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So he's telling us that how Enoch pleased God is that he lived the life of faith. He trusted God. He believed God. He did what God told him to do. Even if God told him to do something he knew he couldn't do, he would go ahead and put his hand to do it knowing he couldn't do it. But because God said he could do it, he was going to do it. That's faith. How many of you make your decisions by how you've come up with your analysis of things? I've looked at the circumstance. I've, I've measured it. I've weighed it. And I cannot do it at this time. I cannot do that. That is not something I'm gifted to. That's not something I'm telling. But the voice of God is saying, I've called you to do this. I've called you to step out of the boat. I've called you to walk by faith. Because if you could measure it and do it, and if you could figure out and do it, it won't take faith to do that. God is going to call you into something bigger than you. He's going to call you to do something you could never do without Him so that He gets all of the praise and all the glory for it. 
So we see that by, without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is. If you're challenged in trusting God and, and, and walking by faith, then maybe you don't believe He is who He is. And you need to get back to the basics and get back into the Word and begin to see the character of God and the nature of God and the heart of God and the plan of God and the power and the work of God and the anointing of God and, and get your understanding built up of who God is so that you can believe Him. Because if God says it's so, it's so, whether you see it or not. If God said rise and build to a little group of people meeting in a little old church and says rise and build what we built here and, and, and it's something we could have never done. It's something the, the bankers said we could never do. It's something that some uh, people in the professional world that we reached out that, that, were de that de dealt with building multi-million dollar buildings said you cannot do. It is impossible. But we knew God said rise and build. And we wanted to say, God, not now, because we've weighed it, we've measured it, and it cannot happen. But God says, rise and build, and we had to believe God. We had to believe God. Then when we got in here, and it was like, now we just take a deep breath, God says, finish the upstairs. We're like, God, we, we're not filling in the downstairs yet. He said, finish the upstairs. So we stepped out and I just walked it right before the service and the carpet is down and the doors are up and, and, and all the hardware's going in and the bathroom floors are down and they're putting in the, 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 uh, the toilets and all the stuff is going in up here. It's looking so good. And, and it's like, and I just said, God, this is your miracle. This is the miracle you've worked through your people. For I know, I know we couldn't do it. I know we couldn't, but you said do it. And because you said do it, I knew you could do it through us. And God, to God be the glory. Amen. But you got to believe that He is if you're going to walk by faith. And then He says, He who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder. Look at somebody and say, rewarder. That means recompense. That means God compensates. He compensates. See, the reason that we work in life to be compensated and, and take care of our families in that nature because we're created in the image of God. That's just how God set things up. And in the same way, God says, when you will believe that He is and that you will walk by faith and trust Him, He says He's a rewarder of those. He says, I've got, I've got miracle supply uh, I want to bring into your life. He says, I want to do it. That's who I am. That's how I set it up. That's how I play my game. And, and if you're going to be a part of my structure, you just will get ready to be rewarded. He says He is a rewarder of what? Those who diligently seek Him. Not those that just seek Him, but those who diligently seek Him. And the Lord said, underline diligently. He says, that's what I'm looking for. So that put the student in me to study as to what does diligently really mean. Because God says the reward comes not to those that seek Him, but to those who diligently seek Him. Because we could seek Him in a crisis. We could seek Him when things aren't going our way. We could seek Him when we're sad. But there's something He's put an adverb to give a, a, an understanding to so that we could uh, take it to the next level and it needs diligence. 
So what does diligence mean? Well, we're going to do a little uh, chalkboard exercise minus the dust of the chalk uh, for you. And we're going to look at diligence and we're going to look at some definitions of diligence. It means a zealous and careful nature in one's actions and work. He didn't say just action and work, but there's a zeal. There's a zeal. Sounds like to me God likes zeal. God doesn't like apathetic, uh, just hanging out and just saying, well, if God wants it, I reckon it'll really happen. If, he, if it's His will, it'll, He wants some zeal to see His will. Amen? So it's exemplified by decisive work ethic, budgeting one's time, monitoring one's own activities to guard against laziness. So there's this tendency for us to be lazy. Look at somebody and say, he didn't mean that about you. Just tell me, he didn't mean that about you. But there's a tendency for us to get lazy. And this thing of diligence is something that monitors our activities with a zeal to make sure we're not living a lazy life. A putting forth full concentration in one's work. So if we take that and we look at, put that in the, uh, the definition God gave us, that definition with what God said for those who diligently seek Him, then He's saying that we should be zealous and have an, in, an intentional focus to seek after the Lord. Now you've shown some of that tonight, that you've, you've stepped over uh, responsibilities, you've, you've driven around uh, circumstances, you've looked at laziness and said, shut up, I'm not listening to you, and you put forth effort to be here in the house of God on a midweek service. I would say that would be fulfilling this definition. It took some zeal for you to get behind the wheel and get here tonight. Amen? You didn't just plop, you're here I guarantee you, every one of you got a story of some traffic. You got a story of a meeting that ran late. You got a story of the food got burnt and you couldn't eat it. Now what are we going to do? Do we stay home and get another cook going or do we run to church and, and, and maybe eat after the service or fast for the service? I don't know what your story is, but it was some zeal that pressed through to be here tonight. I want to commend you on that. And I want to say that is right in line with what the t Word is teaching here. Being decisive to focus your energy, uh, your expendable energy by budgeting your time, guarding against laziness, and putting forth full concentration on the pursuit. That brought you here. Another definition, or fuller, uh, to take a fullness of the definition, mean, would be this. Constant and earnest effort to accomplish what is undertaken. Persistence. Persistence. God has given you an assignment, and He has given me an assignment, and it is our responsibility to press into that assignment with constant and earnest effort in order to accomplish that assignment, to accomplish that undertaking. Even if we don't understand the full assignment, we're to be persistent of pressing into the assignment. There's many missions, I'm sure, that they, uh, uh, men and women in the service have gone on, special ops and so forth, that they didn't have the full assignment. But they had to press in with limited knowledge and get going. And as they're going, they're uh, given the information as they needed it. 
And, uh, and that is how the Lord works with us. He doesn't show us the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. We would probably gasp and fall out and do a Fred Sanford if we saw that. Elizabeth, I'm coming, I'm coming. Because what God has planned for you is bigger than you could have ever, ever imagined on your own. So he reveals it, but we got to be persistently pressing into it. The third part of defining this are some synonyms, zeal, passion, work ethic. Zeal, passion, and work ethic. These are how we diligently seek God. It should be our, it should be our work ethic. It should, be, uh, it should be our passion. It should be our zeal to seek God, to know Him more, to know the next moment that He has for us in its assignment and the next point of instruction. We should never haphazardly or, or casually, in a cavalier manner, walk with the Lord. We should always be pressing in to know Him more and what He has for us. And then the fourth definition is, uh, to help you better understand it, is in France and England and some other European countries in the 18th and 19th centuries, a diligence was a four-wheeled stagecoach for long journeys. Here's a picture of one for you to see. This in a museum. That's called a diligence. That right there is a diligence, a four-wheel stagecoach for long journeys. Do you get that? It was the very carriage that if you stayed in it, you would get to your destination. And that's diligence. If you will stay in diligence and you'll stay seeking the Lord, you will reach your destination. You may be here right now looking out of the window of your diligence and saying, I don't recognize the landscape. I don't know where I'm at. I, I, this, doesn't, this doesn't even seem like where the Lord has me going. Stay with diligence and you will get to where God has destined for you to be. Somebody say amen. amen. Now let's get into the famous Greek that the New Testament is written in and get a better understanding of diligence. It comes from the Greek word exetio, and it means to search out, to investigate, to crave, to demand, to worship. Wow. God says, those that diligently seek me, I got a reward, I got payment. I, I said, I'm going to bless them. They're going to be able to cash this in if they will diligently, if they will search me out, if they will investigate, if they will crave, if they will demand presence with the Lord, if they'll worship me. He says, he said, there's blessing for you like you cannot even imagine. Now, this word in the Greek, ekziteo, is the same word Jesus used in Matthew 6 and 33. When he said to you and me that if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you will, there it is, diligence, that same word, get in the buggy, diligence, crave, diligence, worship, diligence, crave, diligence, persistence, if you will seek first, if you'll let your zeal first go for the kingdom of God, you don't let your zeal be spent on other things. Let your zeal be spent on the kingdom of God, pursuing the kingdom of God, pursuing His righteousness and all of the other things. And he's talking about houses and clothes and land and food and all of that stuff. He said it'll be added to you. That's the reward. 
The reward, the payment comes, the reward comes, the recompense comes to those who diligently seek Him. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you right now, there's blessing and there's healing and there's relationships and there's joy and there's family going to the next level. There's prosperity and so much more that God has for you. He knows what you have need of. It will chase you down. The blessings of God will run you over if you will diligently seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I remind you what God said, recorded by the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, God, he recorded, this is what God said. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. My plans are to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you the future you hope for. He says, I've got plans to bless you. I've got plans to recompense you. I've got plans to uh, remunerate you. I've got plans to, to favor you, but you got a hope. Faith comes by uh, the Word of God, and in faith we know it's the things we hope for, and it's the evidence of things not yet seen. So Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, amen, paved the way for you and me to experience all the miraculous provisions of heaven. That's a done work. He wants you to have a certain quality of life. Now the devil will always come in through his lies, his deceit, and his uh, 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 disdain for the kingdom of God and the glory of God. And always try to talk you out of your abundant life experience or expectation. And tell you, well, you've messed up. You deserve this. You're not praying hard enough. You deserve this. You're not good enough. You deserve this. And he talks us out of our position. And when we're out of our position, then when we exercise our faith, we're exercising our faith out of position. I don't know if you ever played sports, but if you're out of position, you could do what you were trained to do in that position. But if you're not in that position, you're doing it, it's ineffective. It will probably cause you to lose the game. So you want to get into position. And the position is John 10, 10. He says, I've come. Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy. If there's anything you're dealing with that's dealing with death, dealing with destruction, is dealing with any type of loss of that nature, he said it is demonically inspired. It is the will of Satan. It is not the will of God. Now, if he fools you into believing that is the will of God because you don't have enough faith or you haven't lived a good enough life or you haven't given enough or whatever the lies of the enemy are, then you're out of position. Do you see what I'm saying? And you may exercise faith, but you're, you're exercising faith out of position. We have to exercise faith in the right position. And the position is Jesus says, I have come. I have come to give you life. I've come to give you an abundant life. Not just life, but a life abundant. He's come to heal. He's come to deliver. He's come to bless. He's come to prosper. He's come to take us to the next level. He's come to make us the head and not the tail and above only and not beneath. And how dare we not listen to the truth and give in to the lie. Amen. You say, but my circumstances don't line up with that truth. Well, as long as you believe that, you're out of position. If you rest there, because you're looking at your circumstances. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. you got to stay in your position of what you're hoping for. And let me tell you, I understand as I've suffered long-term uh, uh, disappointment in my life. 
long-term illness in my life. I've gone through years of struggle in my life and great pain and, and, and setback. I understand how easy it is to get out of position. But you need a man or a woman of God or a, a donkey of God that will talk and tell you the Word and keep reminding you the Word. I had to start craving the Word. I, would, I was under ministries that wasn't giving me the whole Word. And I would hear that, and I would say, okay, and I'd start making excuses. And, and on this side of heaven, well, we just got to live with this loss. We got to live with this. We got to live with this. And I was giving in, and guess what? That's what I was going to have the rest of my life. But when I began to say, wait a minute, as I began to crave the Word of God, I couldn't find anybody to preach it to me. So I began to look in here and I said, you know what? I've been given a Word. Men and women have died to give me this Word. They've been burned at the stake to give me this Word. Why am I waiting just to wait to hear somebody preach it? Let me find it. And when I started reading the Word and studying the Word and seeing what the Word said, I said, you know what? This is real. This is true. i gotta, I got to line up to this. I cannot line myself up out of position. I'm out of position. So I began to feed on the Word and, and, and meditate on the Word and, and to quote the Word and to, and to speak the Word and, to, and reply to my, my, my Job's friends that would come and say, well, we understand there's a secret sin in your life and you don't have enough faith and that's why you're struggling with this. And, and I would just smile at them and I said, I don't receive that in the name of Jesus. I've been given faith by the Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost has deposited a, a measure of faith in me and I'm holding on to that faith. And I'm not listening to your lie. And I'm not listening to what you're trying to say. Because it wasn't my goodness that's going to get me healed to start with. If that were to happen, Jesus wouldn't have needed to have stripes put upon His back. But He took stripes upon His back for my healing. So I repositioned myself back into the stripes of Jesus. I repositioned myself back into the seven places Jesus shed His blood. And as I did, my hope began to build. And I began to reach beyond my limiting circumstances. And my painful circumstances. And I reached beyond it with faith, but I had to do it diligently. And I'm telling you, I'd have a moment before that I would do it and then I would lose it. I'd get a grip and then I would lose it. And then I would go back into my roller coaster up and down. I know none of you have ever been there, but let me just give you my experience here. And let me tell you what, the day when it came that I've got to hold on to the truth, if I die holding on to the truth, I became the three Hebrew children. I know my God is able to deliver me and I'm not backing off of that. Even if He doesn't, I'm not backing off of that because I know who He is. I know who He's revealed Himself to be and I'm going to hold on to Him. And if I don't, if, if it, this thing don't pass over me, He's going to give me a pass-through anointing and I'm going to pass through it with the divine help of God. And then I woke up one morning and everything had changed. It was so easy that days went by and I didn't even realize it. I'm into day three, and, and I'm like, wait a minute. When is the last time I did this? And I struggled with that. And I was hurting so bad that I couldn't do that. Whoa, whoa. Wow, that was four days ago. I'm three days past. Wow. And I begin to shout, and I begin to praise God, and I'm not going to back down because what God will do for one, He'll do for everybody because He's no respecter of persons. Amen. Everything Jesus sacrificed to provide for God's children is available to you. All of the promises of God are yes and amen. They are available. Say they're available. But they're not automatic. 
Mm. So what do you mean there? They're not automatic. Well, let's look at salvation. Did Jesus provide salvation for everyone on the cross? Yes, he did. He said, it is God's will that none should perish. And he gave his life for all. He redeemed the world with his precious blood. Then we have to ask the question, well, does that automatically make everybody saved? And we have to theologically see the scripture and say, no. So if he's provided it for everyone and it's not automatic, there has to be a corresponding something on earth that takes hold of that which has been provided by from heaven. And it's called faith. That's why he tells us here that it is impossible to please God without faith. You cannot take hold of anything that God has for you without faith. Faith is you going up to the ATM machine and believing a million dollars has been deposited and now putting in the pen, knowing the camera is looking at you and knowing that my faith, I'm putting in F-A-I-T-H and alarms are not going to go off. I didn't deposit the million dollars. They're, the, the devil said they're going to see you. They're going to think you're a thief. They're going to think you're here to rob the bank because you didn't put that money there. But God says it's yours. And if you believe him and act on that and go, let me tell you what. And what I did, now all of you I'm sure didn't have to do this. But I didn't know how to spell faith as my pen. And I would punch in my five codes and it would say denied. And I would punch in my five codes and it would say denied. And then I would leave that Holy Ghost service that I got worked up in. And then I would go back and say, well, you know what? I'm questioning you, God. Maybe it's not for me. Maybe healing's not for me. Maybe deliverance is not for me. Maybe a divine intervention is not for me. And then I'd begin to talk to folk. And they said, well, I know somebody had just what you had and what you have. And you know what? They got worse and worse until they were wheelchair bound. And then they died at 40. I said, thank you. I really needed to hear that. And then somebody else, demonically inspired, with their Bible in their hand. I didn't call them a demon. They had a weakness that the enemy was bringing a frequency and they were listening to the wrong frequency and they were giving verbiage to what Satan wanted said rather than what God wanted said. And before I judged them, I judged myself because I've done the same thing. Haven't we all? And they would come up to me and say... Brother, you're just not praying enough. And another one comes in, you're not fasting enough. And another one come up and, you're not worshiping. You're not free in your worship enough. And once you get free in your worship, you'll get your healing. And man, they were coming at me. So I got away out of position. And I left the stripes of Jesus, which provided my healing. Now my healing's got to come through my worship. Now my healing's got to come through my Bible study. Or my memorization, you've not memorized enough scripture. 
You get enough scripture in you and it'll, it, it gets so full, it'll, it'll spill over and it'll wash out. I had somebody come up to me. They said, oh, I see the Lord say unto you, just like a cup of dirty water. And you start taking cold, clean water and pouring it into it. If it pours long enough, it'll go in and it'll wash up all the dirt. And eventually you'll have a clean glass. That's what you need, the Word. you got to take the Word in. you got to memorize the Word. you got to meditate on the Word. you got to speak the Word. Sounds all good, doesn't it? but it got me out of position. Because now it was in me taking in the Word. And believe you me, there's nothing wrong with taking in the Word. But if I come into taking that Word, looking at me, saying I've memorized 30 scriptures, when I maybe get to 35, I'll be healed. My faith is in the wrong thing. Because my, my healing doesn't come from the memorization of scriptures. My healing comes by the, from the stripes of Jesus. If it, if it did, if it would have come through the scriptures, memorizing scriptures, then I would not have needed to, we would not have needed to take, seeing Jesus go to the whipping post. Right? The prophet Isaiah spoke, by his stripes, you're healed. That would have never needed to be spoken. Peter says, yes, it was by his stripes you were healed. None of that would have ever been recorded because my healing would have come from me, me memorizing scripture. I was out of position. I was out of position. So I'm here to remind you tonight that we need to get in position. We need to align ourselves into position, and our position is on the provision. It's not on what we're doing. It's on the provision. And the provision is taken hold of. The theological word would be appropriated. It's appropriated by faith. So back to our salvation example. Is everybody saved? No. We read clearly in Romans 10, 9 and 10 where the scripture says that he who confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? And believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead shall be saved. So there is an act of faith where we have to confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord. And it's not just words. It means that we've surrendered. We've submitted to. We've yielded our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Meaning now He rules rather than I rule. Meaning where He says go, that's where I go. When He says this is what you do, now that's what I do. That means I surrender to His Lordship and He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Right? And the Word was with God. And the Word came and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the Word, and this is the Word. So here is our instructions for our surrendered to His Lordship. We now live by what He says. So if He tells us, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, then we get in position, not thinking there's anything special about our hand. We're just, we're just uh, operating under the Lordship of Jesus and we're laying hands and there's a transference of Holy Ghost, Heaven's power in and through the people of God into that need that, that is there. So whatever the Word tells you to do, do the Word. The Word says that you're not to make a vow and break it. Better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. That if you've made a vow, keep the vow even if it hurts. But we, in easy believism, want to go and negotiate. And with our rhetoric, we want to try and lay out a different path 
that is going to, in our mind, give us some relief and ease. And in doing that, we get out of position from diligently seeking the Lord and having the supernatural favor of God and the recompense of God and the repayment and reward of God doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. So we live ever-limiting lives. We live ever-limiting lives. We speak ever-limiting words. And we have ever-limiting effect and influence. Because we're out of position. So I believe what he was saying about Enoch is Enoch got so into position with such zeal, he got closer to me than he got closer to heaven than he got to earth. So he just took him on to heaven. But then he tells us that we, if we're going to operate in the pleasure of God and bring pleasure to God, then we've got to follow the example of Enoch. That we've got to walk and live by faith, but not just ordinary faith we've got to diligently seek after the Lord we've got to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness not the stuff of the world we got to stay in position and when we stay in position let me tell you why that's where the download comes I believe the download is always flowing Heaven to earth. Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe it's always flowing. But if we get out of position, we miss it. And then we try to work so hard and ratchet up our faith. Oh, I believe, I confess, I believe, I confess. Thinking if we believe and confess enough, we'll get healed. It's not our believing and confessing and believing and confessing that heals us. It's His stripes that heals us. It's faith that puts us in position. So instead of our faith trying to get the healing, we are to take our faith to put us in position. Does that make sense? What is the position? Diligently seeking the Lord. Diligently seeking the Lord. Wow. I don't know about you, but this this is speaking to me. Because... I have and still continue. Not every area of my life is 100%. I can tell you that. And if any of you got yours, every area, every cellular part of your structure in 100%, I want to talk to you after the service because I want to stand where you're standing. I'm still learning. I'm still working through some stuff, but I'm getting revelation. And as the Lord reveals His Word, I want to take His Word and I want to uh, operate according to it. Amen? See, there's something about coming to the house of God and hearing the Word of God. Did you know that? Hearing a man or a woman of God who's been with the Lord uh, sharing a word from the Lord. There's something about that. Why? Because it's the birthplace of faith. Amen? And the first thing the enemy wants to do, let me tell you what he'll do. When, he wants, when he's tricking you to get out of position, he's going to try to get you out of the house of God. Or get you distracted in the house of God. Because the house of God is the birthplace of faith. It's where the spiritual DNA in in me is spoken. And anyone hearing and agreeing with that spiritual DNA that is the download from heaven, let me tell you what, it becomes a part, it becomes alive in them. Faith comes by hearing the Word, Romans 10, 17. Isn't that what the Bible says? 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So, so if you really believe that, then nobody has to beg you to come to church. You know that? Nobody's got to twist your arm to get you to church. If you really believe that, and you believe that, 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 that it pleases God that you operate by faith, well then people aren't going to be able to keep you out of church. That's a church to speak in the word of God. Not just an organization, an organism. You know what I'm talking about. Where there's an anointed preaching from God. Now I pray, God, you use the donkey in the Old Testament, and I know we got a better covenant, maybe I'm a mule, but I don't care how you dictate it, I just want to speak your word. I don't have a word. I tell him every day, God, I don't have a word. I don't have an agenda except your agenda. My life is to be lived for you. For me to speak is to speak your word. If you don't give me a word, then I'm going to shut my mouth. Because I don't want to say anything because there's no power in my words. But God, there's resurrection power in your word. So when I stand before you, let me tell you what, I stand before you as one who's prayed up. I stand before you one has confessed up. I'm standing before you as one who has studied. And I'm standing before you to say, I'm nothing but a donkey, a mule. It doesn't really matter. But I just want to be an instrument of righteousness to bring forth the word of God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. It keeps us in position because we tend to get out of position. We tend. I was watching the Cowboys win the other night. Glory to God. Now that wasn't Holy Ghost inspired. That was just a moment of me. It's been so, 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 so long. It just feels good. <laughs> okay. And... Uh, <laughs> and there was a good play and then there was a flag what was the flag what in the world's going on here we the cowboys had one extra man on the field too many men in play so the other team gets bonus yardage and we lose yardage even though we still won hallelujah but nonetheless because we weren't in the right position everybody wasn't in the right position and the same is true. We lose ground. There's like, there's like there are demons that are blowing the whistle. Like these, these referees aren't demons, but, but unless they call plays against us. That are, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. But there's like these demons that are watching. They're watching. They're not watching the game. They're watching where you're at. And if you're out of position, they know that you're vulnerable. And instead of throwing a flag at you, they're throwing other stuff at you because you're out of position. But the preaching of the Word of God, when it's coming straight from God, helps us know the position, know our position, and get in our position. And that position of faith. Amen. If this revelation ever gets through to you, you'll never let your flesh or your soul or the devil talk you out of coming to the house of God ever again. You won't, it won't happen. Because you're, you're like, this is where... I'm, I'm, I'm being held accountable. This is where the Spirit of God is helping nudge me to get me in position. A position of faith where I'm diligently seeking the Lord, hearing His Word, and that faith is just rising and causing that zeal and that passion and that craving of the provision of God. And then I'm going to keep trying the ATM because I know there's a million dollars. I know there's healing. I know there's deliverance. I know there's provision. I know there's joy. I know there's peace. I know it's all there. I'm going to keep. I don't care who's looking out the camera. I don't care if the referee's looking at me. I'm in position. You 
can't flag me when I'm in position. You can't, you can't ticket me when I'm in position. And I'm going to hit this code. I'm going to get it right because I'm diligently after this. And then when it all starts pouring out, and everybody says, oh, look at that lucky individual. Got their healing. What luck? Nothing about luck. Do you see what I'm saying? See, I had a dream, and it was a Sunday morning. I've I got some dreams, but I'm not going to tell you all my dreams because I know some of them just bad food late at night. Okay, I'm not going to put any spiritual connection to them at all. The 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 the, 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 the sp- I don't eat bad food. I don't know what. It, Pizza, okay, well, I eat that once every six months, so maybe that's where it comes from. But it was a Sunday morning. I had this dream. It was a Sunday morning, and I had a word from the Lord. I mean, in this dream, I, it, and I know that feeling, because every Sunday and every Wednesday, God gives me a word. And I'm like, I don't know if you've ever watched uh, where they open the gates and the horses race, you know, they come out, and, and, and they're just, they're red. none of them, just none of them. I don't know if they're shocking them or what, but none of them are, are like, they open that gate, it's like they're ready, they're ready diligently to run that race. And that's how I am on Sunday morning, Wednesday night. And when we have guest speakers, it's really hard on me because I'm just like, oh no, what am I going to do now? <laughs> you know, okay, but this is in my dream. I, I woke up, I mean, in the dream, I had this word from God. And uh, it was like everything in its power was trying to keep me from coming to church that morning. The power went out in my dream. The power went out. So the clock didn't go off. So I overslept. Uh, When I jumped up and jumped in the shower, there was no water that would come out of the shower head. I mean, it was dry. And I was looking around and I couldn't find my clothes. My clothes were gone. And, you know. And uh, I, I, there was no power. I couldn't see. I couldn't better my appearance. And, and I couldn't find my comb or brush or anything. I mean, I couldn't find anything to comb this wavy head down that got all sleep, you know, whatever happens. And so I said, well, I'm going anyway. Now, you know, that's a miracle. I said, I'm going anyway. And I came in my, in my bathrobe. I came here. I, re- I arrived late. And y'all know this is a dream. This ain't... <laughs> My hair was standing up. There was sleepy in my eyes, my breath. I won't comment on that. But I had a word from God, and I couldn't keep it from you. I had a word. It had to be delivered. And and as I reflected on this dream, the thought came to me that I love it when I meet Christians who are hungry for God's word like that. I, I, it just blesses me. You know folks who say, I don't care how bad my week has been. I don't care how hard of a trial I've been going through. And I don't care how painful things have been. It doesn't matter what I'm going through if I have to go in my pajamas. Now, they'll go to Walmart in their pajamas, so come on. You know, I'm going to the house of God. I'm going to join together with my brothers and sisters and ascribe glory and honor to my King of kings and Lord of lords, my Rose of Sharon and my Lily in the Valley, and my bright and morning star. I'm going to join and give Him what He likes, and He likes it when we come together and lift up glorious praise unto Him, and I will go. Okay. So, so I, I love that when I see that in people. And, and, and that sense I had in the dream was, wow, this is... This is something that we're willing to let all comfort go if we have to. We're going to hold on to the Word of God. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws at us. We're going to hold on to the Word of God. Hallelujah. 
You know the word that I'm talking about. Don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. The sword of the Spirit. Hallelujah. That's for our fighting and our victory. And if it's for our fighting and our victory, that means we got some battles to go through. So that means that when we get out of position and an arrow's going to come and, 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 and hit us and we've got that shield of faith, but we miss that one. We're not to condemn ourselves for that. We're not to throw in the towel because of that. The enemy got one shot in. He won that little battle, but he's not going to win the war because we've got victory in Jesus. We've got to get back up. We've got to get the supernatural flow of God helping us recover. And then we've got to get back in battle once again. So if it is the sword of the Spirit and, and the armor of God is about warfare and the enemy coming against us, we should not be surprised that we're, we've got battles to deal with. We shouldn't be surprised that everything's not hunkadory, if I could say it that way. So the battles that I'm personally going through and the battles that I've personally gone through and the battles that you're personally going through, let me tell you what, don't let the enemy tell you it's because you're bad, because you don't have enough faith, because you haven't prayed enough or whatever. Don't let him trick you because he'll discourage you. And you're a little out of position, but when you get discouraged, you really turn and you get way out of position and you get out of fellowship. You hear what I'm saying? And you get out of that unity that exponential that is activated when we come together. And, and the next thing you know, he's got you as the gazelle that's not with the group and the hyenas are looking at you. They're not looking at the herd, they're looking at you. Because now you're discouraged and you're off by yourself and you believe you hadn't done things right or something's not right or, and you're just blaming yourself. Don't blame yourself, blame the devil. Why can't we get mad at the devil instead of mad at ourselves? Or mad at the devil instead of mad at God. I'm so mad at God. He didn't come through with my finances. I'm like, what? Satan comes to steal. So if he came to steal, why are you mad at God? You're out of position. It's all about being out of position. So if when you're out of position, if I'm a quarterback and I'm out of position, then no matter how good I throw the ball, I'm not going to be allowed by the rules of the game to throw a touchdown. I'm not going to be allowed because I'm, I'm going to get flagged. I'm going to be called down because I'm out of position. So you can have great faith out of position and it doesn't seem to get you much result. So what we have to do is say, God, show me the position. Where do I need to be? Seeking first my kingdom and my righteousness with diligence. You need to be like Enoch, he says. Enoch pleased me so that I brought him unto myself. He says, and now you've got to do it because without faith it's impossible to please the Lord. So you've got to, I've got a reward for you if you will diligently seek me. So our position is to come not running after the cares of the world and the, and the answers of the world and the fixes of the world, but to say, I've got to position myself right before you, God, with diligence. Hallelujah. And the Word is what gives us instruction and encouragement and faith to do that because our faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Somebody shout the Word. You know there's victory in the Word. Did you know there's peace in the Word? Did you know that? There's healing in the Word. Does anybody believe that? 
There's healing in the Word. There's power in the Word. There's deliverance in the Word. There's joy in the Word. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's anointing in the Word. You want the anointing of heaven flowing? Get in the Word. Just get in the Word. Let that, oh my, 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 my. And the Word creates faith. The Word causes faith to arise. Hallelujah. And that's a good thing. Amen. Wow. I got through my introduction here. Yes, Lord. Yes. So, so we've got um, maybe a series coming out of this. And we get a better revelation of how to stay in position. Diligently seeking. 